All right, well, joining us today, Pastor Miles McPherson. Is it McPherson or because you don't have the other E in there, and I, I oh the other A. It's, yeah, we yes. say McPherson. McPherson. Okay, good. So Miles McPherson here. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure. Nice to be here in the city. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to talk about what your book is bringing to the table because I think it's desperately needed to have this discussion and to have you know more uh, resources out here for to help people navigate this because um, I think we're seeing a bit of a of a divide kind of a dividing line sort of happening. I wanted to get your take uh, on a couple of things, but uh, just start out, just tell me a little bit about the book and, and your journey to get there. Uh, so I grew up in New York and uh, grew up in a black neighborhood, went to school first eight, eight years of my life in a white neighborhood and got harassed in the black, in the white neighborhood because I wasn't white enough because well, I'm black. And I got harassed in the black neighborhood because I wasn't black enough. <laughs> white grandmother. You're getting so it from both sides. Both sides. <laughs> uh, but I had friends on both sides of the street. Yeah. And and we all got along, but they didn't get they didn't know each other. All my football teams obviously were diverse. We all got along great. My church is diverse. You know, uh, 18 years I've been a senior pastor, and our church is like the United Nations, and we all get along mm -hmm. great and serve the community together. So I know it works. I know that we were created to work and, and live together and have relationships together. So I wrote this book um, because in every race conversation and every all these issues in our culture, it's always about us versus them. Mm -hmm. And the third option is that we honor what we have in common. Instead of looking at you and deciding, are you on my side or their side? Uh, let me think about and let me consider what we have similar. You know, we're 99.5% genetically identical. We're made in the image of the same God. Uh, we, we both want to have relationships and get along. So why can't we focus on that and figure out how to do that? Yeah. Why is it, do you think, in 2018 that it just it seems it just seems not OK. Yeah. It, it just seems almost ridiculous at this point that it's even an issue for us to look at someone and say, oh, they look different than me. So therefore, we've got a problem. Right. Why, why? What do you think it is in 2018 that even, you know, makes it possible for racism to still exist? Yeah, you know, there's a, a sociologist define and describe how we group, call, they call it grouping. So people put themselves in groups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, broadcasters are groups, bus drivers are a group, men are a group. We have, we're all part of multiple groups. And color is a group. And if you put yourself in a group, you understand the people who are like you or in that group really well. You don't understand the people who are not like you. And so you have this, this um, ongoing story that keeps repeating itself about yourself and this ongoing story that repeats itself about other people. Your social narrative is a story that defines who you are and how you see the world. And if you have people that are like you, it's called social reinforcement. They just reinforce what you heard from your family, from media, how you interpret the media. And you never really get to know the people in your outgroup. They mm -hmm. just stay over there. And so people have isolated themselves and they keep repeating this a self-fulfilling prophecy that those people are dangerous or those people are stuck up or what or privileged or whatever we want to say mm -hmm. and we never really get to know them because once you really get to know somebody then you realize that wasn't true right what i thought and that's what perpetuates the lies that we can stay separated yeah that's interesting um you know i, I and, and and i think that people are trying to have this conversation at times i went i used to go to when i lived in texas uh, a few years ago uh, for a period, I went to uh, Matt Chandler's church, and every year he would talk about racial reconciliation. He would do a few sermons on that, and he would always kind of, I mean, he wouldn't joke, but he was, you know, he was talking about how he would always get this pushback. And there was this sort of defensive reaction when he would talk about this issue. And so 
Um, why do you think there is that? And particularly when you use the term white privilege, you just mentioned yeah. privilege there. So um, how do we go about talking about that? Well, first of all, I'll talk about why do, you th- why do you think there's that defensive reaction when terms like that are brought up, especially for, for white people? Well, the, the term white privilege? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, um, and let me explain that too, by the way, um, and, and comment on that because um, two words, racist and racism, nobody wants to be labeled a racist. Right. And so the when you bring the name up, people get defensive because they don't want to be called that or accused that. And, and if you ask somebody if they're racist, most people will say no. And I, I believe most people aren't. However, uh, the third option is that we're biased, right? And all of us, I don't know any person that doesn't have a bias because right. when I say a bias, you just don't have all the information. You have a lack of a neutral view. <laughs> right, it's really right. simple. It doesn't right. mean you hate people. <laughs> and, and because of that, there's a very good chance you, you can be racially offensive, but it doesn't make you a racist. And I think right. the big distinction is that people can be racially offensive and not be a racist. You say things out of ignorance, out of fear, out of being uncomfortable, or you say something that just someone takes it that way. And so it doesn't mean that you are um, intentionally trying to hurt somebody. It just means right. that someone's. And so the book is about helping people understand how to live aggressively honoring versus live defensively non-racist. Mm. And that's a big distinction because I don't. People shouldn't walk on eggshells. I should be able to see you, acknowledge who you are, what you look like, and love you and encourage you and honor you without trying. Okay, now I got to be real careful. Right. 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 And not that we shouldn't be careful, but you know, I should be in fear. I should right. be excited about this relationship. Uh, when people get called privilege, it's another it's another term, a label that no one likes to be called right. because of what they think it's being said. And some people trust me; they use it very negatively, just like the names I've been called. They use right. it to hurt people, right? right? So those you can use those terms to hurt people. Um, I was talking in church Sunday about this very thing, and I was this is a, is a um, consultant in San Diego named Stephen Jones who wrote an article called The Right Hand of Privilege. And he said that, um, actually I did this Sunday, I said, how many people here are right-handed? And like 90%. <laughs> and I said, the culture was made for right-handed people. If you're right-handed, when you go to school, the desk is for, right. Your, <laughs> right, right. Is for your elbow. Not, right. I'm left-handed, so my right. elbow was out in midair and I was kind of drawing my name. Right. And uh, If you want to get a pair of golf clubs or a, a baseball mitt, you can go to any store and get it, um, especially if you want to get like a catches mitt. You're not going to get a left-handed catches no. mitt. <laughs> no, and then there's that lefty like bin over there with exactly. like the leftover exactly. couple things. And so a right-handed person uh, is going to is going to have natural. Um, it's going to be naturally easier for them mm-hmm. because they get the, everything's made for right-handed people. It doesn't mean that they hate left-handed people. Right. It doesn't mean that the culture was made against left-handed people, and so when people say white privilege, sometimes they're saying you got it easy, you have money, and you don't have to worry worry about it. Of course, that's not true. Right. However, it's a right-handed culture. It doesn't mean that I was talking to a lady about this, and and I said, um, would you ever feel like being white would prevent you from getting a loan in in a bank? And she looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And and that doesn't make her racist that that's true. Right. She's just not aware. She's not aware of an advantage that she has because some people of color would have that problem. And housing. I mean, my sister went to go buy a house, and they told her there were certain neighborhoods they couldn't sell her house to. Mm. And so there are certain things that you might not know about. It doesn't mean that you're racist, even right. though some people use it that way, and that's unfortunate. Um, but there is a different experience, and I think if there's anything takeaway, 
it's a different experience that people have. Um, uh, and in the chapter I write about this is called The Privilege of God. Mm. And in that chapter basically states that all of us have an advantage over somebody else, no matter what you look like. And what you were blessed with, you got from God. Right. And so if you got it from God, it's up to him to how to use it, and no matter what you look like. And I think we all have to be aware of the difference in experience we have. Yeah. And so if you're right-handed in a right-handed culture, you should just know that. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're any worse than anybody else. But you should at least know and be aware of it. Because if you could leverage that for God, that's fantastic. Right. And, right. and that's really the biblical perspective you should have. Yeah. Um, I had two parents growing up. A lot of my friends had no dad. I was I was over privileged over them. I had right. an advantage, yeah. and my I end up sharing my dad with them. So it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like growing the empathy gene, right? I think a lot of people use those sorts of terms and sort of wield them as some sort of a political weapon to sort of make a big statement or or support some sort of policy. But it sounds like what you're saying is it's like that sort of should ignite as Christians our empathy gene for someone else's experience. Like so when we see one of like when these awful cop shootings happen where it's perhaps you know you know uh, an unjust shooting or controversial shooting or use of lethal force. Um, I think a lot of times you see both sides jumping, right. but, but, you know, and, and I know we got pushed back from this, from certain articles where we published from that perspective saying, Hey, you should really understand that it's different for, for black people versus white people when it comes to dealing with police. I never had to fear. I never had to have a fear of police. So now, you know, you don't have to agree with every single thing, but you should at least say, Hey, they have a different experience than I do. But if the end result is like kind of igniting that empathy gene, right, rather than some other bigger you know, agenda that somebody's trying to push. I mean, would you agree? Would you say that that's a fair assessment and maybe a good goal to shoot for? Is I, think, that I think it's very accurate. In, in the book, one of the tools is to challenge people. And let me tell you something. I was challenged in writing this mm. with all of this stuff. It's not like I'm like the expert or right, I'm perfect. Right. And but I, I was I was challenged to think: What are my blind spots? What do mm. I not know about how I treat people or how I view people? Um, you know, the, the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. If you rename somebody other than your neighbor and you think about the names, white privilege is one of those names, the N word, you know, you know, that, that X blank Mexican or, or whatever we call people oh, and what the news calls them. When you, le when you label someone other than your neighbor, then you don't have to love them anymore. Hmm. And when I say that, you do yeah. have to love them, but in your mind, you're right. like, well, you categorize them, yeah, you put them over there. They're different. Yeah. You, you almost dehumanize them. Yeah. And so as, a, as, a, as, as human beings, we have to ask ourselves, do I really view people like that? And is that right for me to do that? And if I, if I do that, that's something I have to deal with on me. Because when you see the news and you see people, it's so quick to say, it's so quick to label people and... and uh, uh, place an assumption on them when we don't know them, we don't know the situation, mm. we don't know the experience, um, and, is, and just believe what we've always wanted to believe. So this book is about, let's really think about what do we think about other people, how are we treating them, how can I learn about other people so we can get along better? Because there's, there's an obvious divide in the nation. Yeah. And you can't all be them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and when I say all them, whoever them is, you right. know, black saying it to whites, white saying it to Hispanics, whatever, we all have to work together to get along. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and you've got a uh, you've got a live event coming out Saturdays. The, Saturdays. It's the 15th. It's the 15th, correct? It's the 15th. Yeah. Uh, it's a two-hour event. It's online. They can go to aracefourunity.com to uh, watch it. We're going to explain the third option. We're going we're gonna to have comedy and dancing and singing. But we're also going to demonstrate how to have a small group discussion. Mm. And, you know, uh, about race, obviously, with people of different ethnicities, obviously. And we're going to give guidelines and rules to how to make that conversation safe. Because until we talk with each other, not about each other, until we talk with each other and ask some questions, like when's the first time you realize your race and what would help you understand somebody better? We're not. We're just gonna. We're just gonna convince ourselves that what we believe is right, and yeah. we're gonna get nowhere. Which is the first question you ask: Why are we still here? Because <laughs> we just keep telling ourselves the same thing over yeah. and over again. But we all have to ask ourselves: How do I view myself? Um, how do I view other people? Are those people worse than me? What names do I really? What labels do I really give them? Am I really fearful? Yeah. Um, and and be able to learn how to honor uh, the priceless value that every human has. So what are some, I love the, the small group uh, idea that you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and, and giving people sort of a, pla- a, a uh, sort of a starting point on how to have these conversations. You know, what are, what are some of the practical things, or maybe you can just give us one or two practical things that people can do when they're, when they're wanting to make a difference and they're wanting to help and, and sort of break down some of these divides. What are a couple of practical things people can do in their day-to-day life? I think one of the first things people can do is find someone uh, that they know that's different of different ethnicity and ask them, are they offensive? Um, say, is anything I say, do that is could be taken offensively? Like by things somebody? that I have done or just should I be on things I should be on the lookout for? Um, both. Like, well, you know, okay. it all depends on your relationship. Right. Right. But there, there could be things I have been doing. You know, for example, people say, people have people always say they don't see color, <laughs> and they think that that is a way of saying I'm going to treat you the same. Well, people of color would take that as you just ignored what I am right. and what I've been through, <laughs> right. so they shouldn't say that. And that's something that maybe maybe someone hearing this right now for the first time is thinking I ne- never knew that. Right, that would yeah. be an example. And now, are you are you a racist because you say that? No, it, is it offensive? It, well, yes, it will be to some. Does that make you bad? No, just you didn't know. So, right. so, and that's kind of the tone of the book. It's like, look, let me challenge you to think about things in a little different way. Um, don't think about the labels you give people. Um, when you see people that you don't know, and let's take the furthest from you, you're on TV, you don't know them, they have nothing in common with you. What do you call them? Are they your neighbor or are they something else? And, um, so I would re- relabel them your neighbor and then think about what behavior or treatment they're receiving that you would want your neighbor, your family member to receive. Mm-hmm. Because, one, again, like I said before, once you label someone l- less than, then you accept and it's okay for them to be treated less than. And, and your level of love, that you, your definition of love will change for them than it would be for your family. And so I think what we call people... Blind spots, you know, again, going asking, asking somebody, is there a blind spot that I have? Because we all have them. I yeah. mean, we're, yeah. you know, and it's not only race, it's gender. I mean, a lot of the guys listening, man, ask some of the women in your life, are you, do they, <laughs> are you creepy to them? <laughs> you know, is there anything you do? And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that might not want to do that. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that you might get, 
you, if you give a person, whether it be the racial question or a gender question, if you give them permission to be honest, and you say, look, I want to I wanna be more honoring to you, so please tell me. Um, you're going you're gonna to hear some stuff that you might not expect, and you'll be better because of it. I, I, that's, that's a huge one for me. That's great stuff. Well, the name of the book is The Third Option, and uh, it's Pastor Miles McPherson. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Why don't you hit the any website that you need people sure, to go to, and we'll, we'll put it all in the article and everything, but I just want to make sure we get it all I would love we get it all to, out there. to go to my Instagram, all my handles, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at milesmcpherson.com, at milesmcpherson.com. Well, thanks so much. appreciate it. Thank you very much.